0: out of the funnies and into your homes, and we hope your hearts, too. Welcome to Blondie! Before we join the bumsteads of Shady Lane Avenue, let's gather around the bandstand for a curtain raiser from Matt Emerson. Raise that curtain, Matt.
1: Would you like to swing on a star, carry moon dreams home in a jar, and be better off than you are, or would you rather be a mule? A mule is an animal with long funny ears, he kicks up at everything he hears. His back is brawny, but his mind is weak. He's just plain silly with a stubborn streak And by the way, if you hate to go to school You might grow up to be a mule Or would you like to swing on a star Carry moonbeams home in a jar And be better off than you are Or would you like to be a pig? A pig is an animal with dirt on his face His shoes are a terrible disgrace Well, he's got no manners when he eats his food. He's mean and lazy and extremely rude. But if you don't care a feather or a fig, you may grow up to be a pig. Or would you like to swing on a star, carry moonbeams home in a jar, and be better off than you are? Or would you like to be a fish? A fish won't do anything but swim in a brook. He can't write his name or read a book. To fool the people is his only thought. And though he's slippery, he still gets caught. But then if that sort of life is what you wish, you may grow up to be a fish. And all the monkeys out in the zoo know every day you meet quite a few. So you see, it's all up to you. You could be better than you are. You could be swinging on a star. Yeah. Thank
0: you, Matt. This week's episode is being sponsored by the Watertown Players, your favorite community theater troupe for more than 30 years. You know, folks, there's been a lot of talk lately about how our lives have changed over this last year. We started wearing masks and standing two yardsticks apart and stopped hugging, stopped shaking hands, and started taking our temperatures every few minutes. There is no doubt that we have learned how to do things differently. And for the Watertown players, we have come up with some creative ways to keep our organization going, including these fine episodes of Blondie. We have found this to be a great way for our little troupe to keep performing, to keep in touch with each other, and more importantly, to keep in touch with you, our faithful audience members. At the conclusion of this episode, we will remind you how you can make a contribution to the Watertown Players. You'll be glad you did. The Watertown Players, dedicated to enriching the lives of those in this and surrounding communities through creativity, expression, and fun. And now, our weekly visit with the Bumsteads begins as we follow Blondie into the living room where Dagwood is tinkering with the radio.
2: Dagwood, is that you making that noise? What say, honey? What are you doing to the radio? Wait a minute.
3: I can't hear what you say on account of the radio. That's what I know. There, now I can hear you. What did you ask me, dear? What was making that awful noise? Oh, that was the radio, honey.
2: Yes, Dagwood, but why was it doing it? Well,
3: uh, I'll explain the whole thing scientifically. No,
2: dear, just tell me.
3: Well, I was, uh, taking something out of it, and I guess I got the works a little loosened up.
2: Oh, Dagwood. How can you expect the radio to work if you take things out of it?
3: Oh, sometimes when you take things out of things, they work better.
2: Not if it's something that belongs in there in the first place. Well, how about Uncle Gideon's appendix? (laughs) That's different. They found two collar buttons in his appendix. Well, but,
3: hey, I wonder if that's what the matter was with my static eliminator. Maybe there's collar buttons in that.
2: I don't see how they could get in there. Yeah, but
3: I don't see how they got an Uncle Gideon either.
2: Didn't your static eliminator work in the radio, Dagwood?
3: Well, yes and no. It eliminated static, all right. Only trouble, it seemed to eliminate the program, too.
2: Well, file it in the garage with your other inventions. It will be kind of nice to hear some radio programs again.
3: Yeah, now, let's see. I want station W-A-K-Y. That's 120 on
2: the dial, isn't it? No. It's between the A and the V. Between what A and V? The ones in aviation. No, no, honey.
3: Uh, See, aviation is where you get the messages from planes in the air. That word doesn't have anything to do with regular stations like W-A-K-Y. You get them by numbers.
2: I don't. I get W-A-K-Y by turning the knob until that little thingamajig is between A and V in aviation.
3: Our list says W-A-K-Y is 120 on our dial. I'll
2: try it. There we are. See? I see, but I don't hear anything. Oh,
3: I remember now. We used to put a little left of 120. Just a minute. Er, no. Maybe it was a little to the right. Wait. No. Try between the A and the V. There's no sense to that, Blondie. I'll just try to prove it to you. See? Nothing happens.
4: This is Station W-A-K-Y.
3: Two? That's a fine place to have it.
4: When you hear the signal, the time will be 15
1: seconds until...
2: It's fading, Dagwood. That's what I know. Now what's wrong? You're not holding the wire. Eh? Don't you remember, dear? One of us has to hold that wire all the time to keep it from fading.
3: Oh, yeah. You know why that is, Blondie? No,
2: I just know it
3: works. Well, I'll explain it to you. See, this wire is supposed to go to our aerial. But we haven't got any aerial, so when I hold the wire... I'm the aerial. see?
2: You mean all the programs have to go through you to get into the radio?
3: That's the general idea.
2: Oh, well then, that explains why Mrs. Dilly was haunted. Eh?
3: Hey? Haunted? Uh-huh.
2: She kept complaining that she heard music in her head. And naturally, everyone was afraid that she was a little, you know. Uh-huh. She tried all kinds of doctors, but it didn't do any good. She kept hearing music. She was just getting used to that when she began hearing war news.
3: You mean she was picking up radio programs all the time?
2: Uh Uh-huh. They traced it to
3: her new bridge work. You don't say. Well, maybe we'd better trade in this radio and some dental work. Hold the wire tighter, dear.
2: There!
4: Freaky Crackies are on the air. Creaky Cracky Smarty Party.
2: What's a Smarty Party, Dagwood?
3: It's another quiz show. You know, somebody sends in questions like, in what state is the Kentucky Derby runoff? Oh, do
2: you especially want to hear that, Dagwood?
3: Golly, yes. I've got to hear that Smarty Party tonight. Mr. Dithers will ask me how I liked it. Oh,
2: is Mr. Dithers interested in the program? He is tonight.
3: He's on it.
2: For heaven's sake, why didn't you tell me?
3: It was a surprise to me, too. Up until just today, I thought I was going to be on it.
2: Oh, Dagwood Bumstead, you never said a word about it. I was keeping it for a
3: surprise, see? Every week they have a guest of honor, and they honor him by trying to stick him with questions. The more of a boob they can make out of him, the better they like it. I don't know why they picked on me.
2: I bet you'd have fooled him, Dagwood. I bet I would,
3: too. But somehow Mr. Dithers couldn't see it. He said the reputation of the Dithers Construction Company was at stake, and he'd go on himself.
2: Hold the wire tight, Dagwood. See if he's on yet. Okay.
4: And here's another thing to remember about creaky crackies. The rough edges on a mouthful of crispy, crunchy creaky crackies are mighty fine for polishing your teeth. Why not buzz round to our nearest...
3: Nope, not yet. Collie, I hope he makes good. That Tommy Tattle is just laying for him.
2: Tommy Tattle the gossip writer?
3: Uh Uh-huh. You know that time Mr. Dithers ran for the termite inspector? Well, Tommy Tattle had a candidate in the race, too. He warned Mr. Dithers to stay out of the race, but he wouldn't, and he split the votes, and an outsider won, and ever since then, Tommy Tattle takes raps at Mr. Dithers in his column. It's awful.
2: Goodness. I hope Mr. Dithers gets easy questions.
3: Well, I did all I could to fix that for him.
2: You did? What did you do, Dagwood? Shh!
3: Wait till I see where the program is now.
4: A crisp $10 bill and a carton of crispy, crunchy, creaky crackies to the man who can answer two out of three questions. If the contestant misses two out of three, the prize goes to the person who sent in the questions. Now we're ready for our guest of honor, Mr. J.C. Dithers of the J.C. Dithers Construction Company. Are you ready, Mr. Dithers?
5: Ready? You've kept me waiting.
4: Ooh, don't be impatient, Mr. Dithers. Your big moment has arrived. Now, you're in the construction game, so these questions should be easy for you. Let's see, where's the list?
3: Oh boy, it's working. What is? My scheme. They're going to ask him about construction.
4: Ah, here we are. Question number one. What is the least amount of real cement that can be put into concrete and still have it stick together? What? I'll repeat the question.
5: No, I heard the question. But I don't know how little cement you can get away with, because I never try to get away with anything like that. And furthermore...
4: Oh, pardon me, Mr. Dithers. I, uh, didn't realize that the question was, uh, so unfortunate for a man in your position. We'll skip that one.
5: I didn't come here to be made a fool of, either. Put that in your pipe and smoke it.
4: Well, I don't smoke a pipe. Now then, question number two. <sighs> Asking a man a question like that? Please, Mr. Dithers. The clock is ticking away, you know. Now, question number two. Ready? Go ahead. Listen close. If it takes one boss carpenter, two rough carpenters, one plasterer, and two painters...
2: Hold on to the wire, Dagwood. It's fading.
3: I know, but it's a pretty long question, honey. What? How do you know it is? Oh, that's a little surprise, honey. But it'll be a cinch for Mr. Dithers.
4: Listen. Uh, How much do you owe them at the end of four weeks? I need a pencil and paper to figure that one.
2: Two? No, you don't. Shh! He can't hear you, Dagwood.
4: Pencil and paper are not allowed, Mr. Dithers, and I can assure you that the right answer requires no figuring at all. No, oh, it doesn't.
5: Well, let me have the question again, will you?
4: Certainly, but the clock is ticking away, and every tick shortens the time you have to answer. Well,
5: get on with it, then.
4: If it takes one boss carpenter, two rough carpenters, one plasterer, and three painters, got that?
5: Yeah, seven men.
4: Yes, now, if it takes the seven men eight hours a day, five days a week to build a window box, four by six by thirty-eight, how much do you pay them at the end of four weeks?
5: Well, I...
4: Oh, I'm afraid your time is up.
5: Listen! Nobody could answer a thing like that in 30 seconds without pencil and paper.
4: Oh yes, Mr. Dithers. The answer is, pay them nothing in four weeks.
5: Pay them nothing?
4: Oh, that's what it says here. It says, if they can't do any better than that, fire them after the first week. Ta! This is an outrage. I demand another question.
2: You're letting it fade again, Dagwood.
3: Well, that's what I know. I, I don't want to hear what he's saying. Golly, I thought that one would be easy for him.
2: Dagwood, do you know who sent in those questions? Yeah, I... I
3: thought it would help him out.
2: Oh, Dagwood, if you sent them in, he won't like it a bit.
4: Maybe he'll get the third one.
2: Grab that wire again and let's see what's going on.
4: Yeah! Well, Mr. Dithers, we want to be fair. You've missed two out of three, but if you get the third question right, we'll put your case to a vote. Ready? Go ahead. If in building a two-story building two stories high on two lots 200 feet wide, uh-huh. If in building this building you use 2,000 board feet of floorboards, and if in sawing the boards to length you lose 2 feet in every 200 running feet...
5: Wait! I lose 2 feet in every 200 feet of lumber?
4: Uh, yes, by sawing the boards to length.
5: I'm going to get this one. We saw away 2 feet in every 200 feet out of a total of 2,000 feet. So what?
4: So, what do you do with the sawdust?
5: Hmm, what do I do with the... sawdust? What kind of a question is that? There's no answer to a thing like that.
4: Oh, yes, Mr. Dithers. The sender of the question must provide an answer. Well,
5: what is his answer? What does he do with the
4: sawdust? He says here, feed it to the termites. Ha! Oh, your time is up, Mr. Dithers. And since you failed to answer even one of the three questions, the prize of $10 and a carton of crispy, crunchy, creaky crackies goes to the sender of the questions, Mr. Dagwood Bumstead of Shady Lane Avenue. Bumstead!
2: Two?
3: Listen, Mr. Dithers. I. I thought it would help you. He can't hear you,
2: Dagwood. He's on the radio. So
5: this was your work, huh, Bumstead?
2: Well, yes, sir, but. He can't hear you. You can't hear me. To?
4: No! You
5: think you're smart, eh, Bumstead? Making a monkey out of your employer in public, huh? Well, let me tell you something.
4: Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Dithers. It's uh, against the communication law to deliver a person-to-person message over the radio.
5: Oh, it is? Well, wait till I see my fine friend Bumstead face-to-face. Just wait, that's all. Just wait. Two!
2: Can't you eat anything, Dagwood? I can chew, but I can't seem to swallow. It's just nerves, dear.
3: That's what I know. Mr. Dither said, just wait on the radio,
2: and I'm still waiting. It's a shame to keep you in suspense. Wasn't he in the office at all today?
3: He's hiding somewhere, out of town, I think. I wonder if he saw the papers.
2: I think it was very mean of that Tommy Tattle to write the whole thing up in his column.
3: I told you he had it in for Mr. Dithers, but I fixed Tattle. I wrote him a pretty hot letter.
2: Oh, Dagwood, was that
3: wise? What can I lose? I told him Mr. Dithers wasn't ready to answer those questions because he wasn't supposed to be on the air at all. I told him if I had been on the radio like I was supposed to be, it would have been another story.
2: You didn't make it sound boastful, did you, Dagwood? No, no, honey, just kind of
3: dignified. I dared him to publish my letter, and then I said next time I saw him, I'd knock his block off. Two, do do you think? I'll go see, dear. No, sir. I'll see him myself. If he's looking for trouble, he can have it. So you're looking for trouble, eh? Bumstead! Two! Oh, why, it's Mr. Dithers. Yeah. G- g- good evening, Mr. Dithers. I don't think so. Look at Mr. Dithers. I'm very sorry about what happened on the radio. Ha!
5: When I found out who sent those idiotic questions, I decided to give you two weeks' notice, Bumstead.
2: You—you you mean two weeks, starting right now? Now, Mr. Dithers, he doesn't deserve that. I
5: know he doesn't. After reading what Tommy Tattle wrote in his column, I decided he only deserved one week's notice.
2: Two. But Dagwood wrote a letter defending you, Mr. Dithers. I know he
5: did. Tattle published the letter, and after I read that letter, I decided to fire you without any notice, Bumstead. Listen, I was just trying to straighten things out. Yeah, just like you were trying to help me by those fool questions. Seven men spending four weeks building a window box, and one of the men was a plasterer. That's what threw me. What was that plasterer doing building a window box?
3: Well, I... I just threw the plasterer in, uh, so it wouldn't look too easy.
2: Oh,
5: just threw him in, huh? Well, I'm just going to throw you out, unless...
2: Now listen, Mr. Dithers. Yeah, listen. Unless? Unless what, Mr. Dithers?
5: Unless Dagwood can take up Tommy Tattle's challenge and win.
2: Challenge? What challenge?
5: Haven't you read Tattle's column today? No.
2: Uh, no. Yesterday was enough. What did he say today?
5: He quotes Mr. Bumstead's letter, which says there's no questions he couldn't answer.
3: I never said that.
5: Tattle makes it sound as if you did, so he suggests you be given a chance on the Smarty Party Quiz Show.
3: Well, uh, I wouldn't mind. Not a bit. Only, I'm pretty sure they wouldn't invite me again.
5: Oh, yes, they will. In fact, they have.
3: And not only that, but
2: they... They have?
5: Yes, I insisted that they give you a chance.
2: But, Mr. Dithers, isn't that just what Tommy Tattle wants?
5: Of course it is! He wants Digwood to go on and fail, but we're going to fool him. We are? How? You're going to know the answers, Bumstead. You're going to read up on things and go on there and knock them cold. cold.
3: I, I hope you're right.
5: I'm going to be right, Bumstead. Tattle thinks he's got us cornered, but we're going to outsmart him. It's in the bag.
2: But how can you be so sure, Mr. Dithers?
5: Because I happen to know that the next Smarty Party quiz is going to be about cooking.
2: Cooking? Cooking? Yes, cooking.
5: Now all will dig what has to do is to learn all there is to know about cooking between now and the next quiz show.
0: Ooh! This episode of Blondie is being produced and sponsored by the Watertown Players. You know, folks, when I was in school a long, long, long time ago, there was this new concept called reading. Once I learned about reading in the fifth or sixth grade, I was hooked. I read all the classics, Moby Dick, A Tale of Two Cities, and of course, C-Spot Run. But then I found out that instead of reading the classics, I could watch some on the stage of my favorite community theater group. And you can do the same. Some of the finest classics have been staged on a variety of the Watertown Players, um, stages, including The Sound of Music, Dearly Departed, Godspell, Guys and Dolls, and lots of others. Keep following the Watertown Players on Facebook so that you can see which one of your favorite classics is up next. The Watertown Players dedicated to enriching the lives of those in this and surrounding communities through creativity, expression, and fun. And now, we return to the Bumsteads living room on the night when Dagwood is to appear on the Smarty Party Quiz Show. Blondie is all alone. I mean, she was all alone well
5: blondie
2: why mr dithers aren't you going to the broadcast
5: you can bet your life i'm going i'm here to see that dagwood goes too
2: why he's already gone gone why the program
5: isn't until 7 30 it's only six thirty now
2: he wanted to be down there by five thirty. to tell the truth i think he was a little nervous
5: what's he got to be nervous about he'll win in a walk
2: i wish i could be as sure as you seem to be i wanted to go with him But for once, he thought it would make him more nervous to have anyone he knew around.
5: Bobbycock, What's he afraid of? I did all the work for him.
2: Oh no, Mr. Dithers. Dagwood has been studying like everything. Why, he's been through 20 cookbooks, including the Scandinavian.
5: It won't hurt him to concentrate for a change. But he needn't have put himself to all that trouble. All he has to do is answer three questions.
2: Yes, but who could tell what the questions would be?
5: I could. In fact, I have told him.
2: I don't understand.
5: Well, I've kept it under my hat until tonight to prevent Dagwood from letting the cat out of the bag. But did Dagwood show you the three sample questions that I gave him?
2: Oh, those? Yes, I saw them.
5: Well, those are the ones he's going to be asked.
2: But, Mr. Dithers, are you sure?
5: Sure, I'm sure. I wrote those questions myself. Then I went to the man who runs the program and got him to agree to ask Dagwood my questions.
2: Oh, but that's not fair. Why isn't
5: it? They asked me the questions Dagwood sent in.
2: But you didn't know the answers in advance.
5: That's a detail. The best part of the joke is that I used Tommy Tattle's article to help me put it over. How? Well, the article said Dagwood was in the doghouse with me, you know. So I played that up. I told the smarty party man that this was my revenge on Dagwood, see? Naturally, he thought I was trying to stick Dag instead of help him, so he fell for it.
2: (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Dithers, but I don't think I want Dagwood to win a quiz contest that way.
5: I don't care about the contest, but I want to put it over on Tommy Tattle, and I'm going to.
2: Is that all you want? Sure!
5: Now, don't you try to do anything about this, blondie. Just let well enough alone. Well, I'll be going down to see my man win.
2: Wait a minute, Mr. Dithers. I think it's only fair to warn you. I want you to get the best of Tommy Tattle, but I don't want Dagwood to win a contest that's, that's fixed in advance. And if I can, I'm going to stop him from doing it.
5: It's a little late for that, Blondie. When J.C. Deathers fixes a thing, it stays fixed. Well, good night.
2: Too late, is it? Well, we'll just see if it is. Operator, get me Tommy Tattle on the Daily Dribble, and then get me station W.A.K.Y. No, I don't know the numbers, but I want them right away.
3: Four cups of flour and two well-beaten eggs. Bumstead! Shh! I'm going through the cake recipe. How do you feel? Terrible. I keep sifting flour.
5: No, no, don't worry. All you have to do is remember the answers to those three questions. Remember them? I can't forget them. All I can think of is those answers. Good. Look! There goes the red light. In a minute, they'll call you out on the stage and you'll be on the air.
3: Yeah. I know. I know.
5: Let's run through those questions just once. Now, the first one is, how do you keep candy from sticking while it cools? Spread
3: a thin layer of butter.
5: Right. Never mind the rest of that one. Second question. How is tarragon
3: vinegar made? Pour a quart of white wine in a pitcher and set it aside to sour.
5: Then... Okay, skip the rest of that one. Third question, after you have the batter for a cake all mixed, what is the next and final step?
3: Pour the batter into a well-greased
5: pan and bake for 30 minutes. Perfect.
4: Mr. Bumstead, you're wanted on the stage right away.
5: Two... Come on, Bumstead, and buck up. You can't lose.
3: I... I can't walk, either pour thin batter into pitcher, Uh,
4: bake in greasy pan. And here, ladies and gentlemen, is our guest-guesser of the evening, Mr. Dagwood Bumstead.
5: Okay, Bumstead, you're on your own.
4: That's what I know. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Bumstead's appearance on our Smarty Party this evening has stirred unusual interest in all our listeners, and I'm going to take extra care tonight to prove to our public that this contest is absolutely honest. To demonstrate clearly that Mr. Bumstead couldn't possibly know the answers in advance, I'm going to ask questions that I myself have never seen until this moment. Hey,
5: what's this all about? Don't worry, Bumstead, it's just a gag.
4: Now, this basket contains fan mail, and the mail contains questions, but the letters are all unopened. Watch. I select one at random, I open it, and read the questions at once to our guest of honor. The first is a baseball question. Two?
5: This is a frame-up. Baseball? Forget cooking, Bumstead.
4: I, I can't. Uh, the first question, Mr. Bumstead. In a baseball game, what's the safest way of sliding for home? Spread a thin layer of butter on the plate. <laughs> No, no, Bumstead. <laughs> very funny, very witty, Mr. Bumstead, but uh, hardly accurate. You lose that one. Second question. You're at the bat with two strikes called against you. You're up against the toughest pitcher in the league. What would you do? Pour a quart of wine into the pitcher and set aside a sour. <laughs> oh, dear me. I'm afraid you're already out of the running, Mr. Bumstead. However, to raise your average, here's the third question. You're the manager of a ball club. The bases are full and one man is out. Your heaviest batter also strikes out. What would you do then? Pour the batter into a well-greased pan and bake for 30 minutes. Ooh, strike three on you, Mr. Bumstead. You're out. And the prize of $10 and a carton of crispy, crunchy, creaky crackies goes to the man who asked the questions, Mr.
3: Mr. Dithers. Let's go home now huh? Go away. Look, the program is all over and everyone's gone home and the man wants to put out the lights. Go
5: away.
3: We will live it down Mr. Dithers.
5: Twice. Twice on two programs you make me a laughing stock. Two consecutive programs.
3: I'm sorry but you told me to learn those three answers and you'd guaranteed we'd win. So I did. And we didn't.
5: That's what I know. I told you to learn three simple answers, but I didn't tell you to forget everything else you ever knew.
3: Well, I did what you said. Remember, Mr. Dithers? You can't have your
5: cake and eat it too. Don't mention cake. Uh, No, sir. Uh, When I think of that Tommy Tattle gloating over us. Who's that?
3: Uh, Why, Blondie, what are you doing here?
2: Well, you were so long coming home, I thought I'd come pick you up. You were marvelous, dear. Well, it was like
3: this. I was what?
2: Marvelous. But I,
3: I lost.
2: Well, you lost honestly. Puh. Is that Mr. Dithers over there in the shadow? Yeah, he, he doesn't feel just so good. Well, I know something that will cheer him up. You do? Uh, tell him quick. Well, our old enemy, Tommy Tattle, has tattled once too often. Huh? Yes. He made a little mistake when he wrote his column for tomorrow night. Tonight. How do you mean? Well, he told all about what happened on the Smarty Party program. Of course, he would! Only it didn't. Huh? Didn't what? It didn't happen. Listen. Tommy Tattles said that the program was a frame-up. He said that Mr. Dithers wrote questions about cookery, and Dagwood Bumstead answered them, knowing in advance what the questions were. He called Mr. Dithers a crook. But he isn't. I mean, we didn't. I mean...
5: Called me a crook, did he? I'll sue him from here to breakfast.
2: I wouldn't. I'd just hold it over his head for good behavior in the future.
5: Wait a minute. This is marvelous. He wrote what he thought was going to happen as though it had happened. I've got him dead to rights, but where did he get the idea that it was going to happen?
2: Oh, some lady called him up on the phone and uh, told him all about it.
5: You? Uh Uh-huh.
2: Why did you do that,
5: honey? I know why she did it, but how could you be sure that it wouldn't happen? I mean. I
2: know what you mean, Mr. Dithers, but I had that all fixed. I called the Smarty Party Man, too, and warned him to use different questions.
5: Oh, that was you, too, huh?
2: Oh, yes.
5: Well, it's a good thing nothing went wrong.
2: Well, you see, Mr. Dithers, When I fix something, it really stays fixed. Look, excuse
3: me, folks, but I don't know what you're talking about.
2: Here I go and let Mr.
3: Dithers down by not remembering. I mean, uh, not forgetting.
5: Well, forget about it now, Dagwood. You were swell. I've got Tommy Tattle in a spot where he'll behave for a long time to come. Forget all the rest and just remember what a smart wife you have. Good night, all.
2: Dagwood is awfully tired, Mr. Dithers. Don't you think?
5: Yeah, let him stay home tomorrow and rest up. Good night.
3: Gosh, that's funny. He was so mad at me, and now he's giving me a holiday.
2: You deserve it after studying all those cookbooks just to please him. Well, tomorrow you can stay in bed all day.
3: No, I know what I'd rather do. What, dear? Well, see, it seems a shame to waste all those recipes I learned. I... I think I'll do a little cooking and give you a holiday.
2: Oh, Dagwood! What are you going to cook? Well, let's see.
3: That recipe for mushrooms with Brazil nut stuffing sounds pretty good. Oh, How does that go, Dagwood? Wash and remove stems from one and one-half pound of fresh mushrooms. Chop stems fine and mix with finely chopped onions. Saute in butter for about five minutes. Add one cup of breadcrumbs, one cup chopped Brazil nuts, one
0: teaspoon salt, one teaspoon ketchup. One teaspoon lemon juice, one half cup of And so, we leave Blondie and Dagwood of Shady Lane Avenue. We invite you to listen the next time we join the Bumsteads. The next episode is entitled, Watch Out, It's April Fools. <laughs> Sounds like a hoot and a half to me. This week's episode, The Smarty Party, Tommy Tattle Adventure, featured the voice talents of Greg Coots as the announcer and man's voice, Carl Zarling as Mr. Dithers, Blaine Landowski as Dagwood, and of course, Lisa Steffel as Blondie. This week's episode was brought to you by the Watertown Players, your favorite community theater group for over 30 years. You can be sure that we will continue to bring you great family entertainment for years to come. Make sure to keep following the Watertown Players on Facebook so you can stay in the know. This is your announcer, Jim Steffel, thanking you for supporting the Watertown Players and our continuing episodes of Blondie. And here's the information that we promised we'd give you on how you can help fund these fine, old-fashioned products. All you have to do is text BLONDIE to 44321. That's BLONDIE, E-L-O-N-D-I-E, to 44321.